0: 2 cp Bayonet Point, WTBN Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Have you ever faced advancements? Have you ever been promoted above somebody else at either a job or it could be ministry in the church? Or it could be you just became a parent and you're promoted above somebody else. All of us have, um, have been promoted at some point in our lives, or if you haven't, you will. It could be even on a sports team that you've been promoted to captain or you've been promoted to co-captain or assistant captain or whatever. Or you just have a little more clout than others. That's really a scary thing because uh, many of us can handle adversity far better than we can handle advancements.
2: Many years ago the manager of the factory where I used to work told one of the employees to install something in his car. This was back when most headlight dimmer switches were on the floor in front of the driver's door. Well the employee had to remove the panel in front of that door and when he reinstalled it he accidentally let the bottom of that panel cover the dimmer switch and the lights were on high beam that night the manager had a less than pleasant encounter with a state trooper concerning his bright lights. It was one of those poetic instances where, when someone takes advantage of their position, it comes back to haunt them. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and we're studying that wonderful book of Nehemiah. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now, if you are in a leadership position of any kind, you should know that there are two sources of authority. One is external, the authority given to you by others in higher authority. The other is internal, it's the authority that people give to you because of the way you lead. Nehemiah was one of the all-time great leaders, and he gave us some great examples to follow. One of the qualities that made him such an effective leader was his integrity. The manager I just told you about did not get a lot of respect, and that was not only bad for morale, it was bad for the profitability of the company. That kind of leadership can cause severe damage to a church. For a great example of integrity in leadership, let's turn in our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter
1: 5, verse 14. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Moreover, Nehemiah said from that day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. And I also applied myself to the work on this wall. We did not buy any land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now, that which was prepared for each day was one ox and six choice sheep. Also, birds were prepared for me, and once in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet, for all this, I did not demand the governor's food allowance, because the servitude was heavy on this people. Remember me, O my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. A recent survey posed this very interesting question to its participants. The question was... What are you willing to do for $10 million? That's a good question. You need to think about that. What are you willing to do if you could could get $10 million to do anything? Well, here was the answers of uh, these folks. 25% said that they would abandon their families for $10 million. 23% said they would be willing to become prostitutes for a week. 7% said that for $10 million they would kill a stranger. Now, that's very, very interesting, because that means that in a gathering of 100 Americans, there are seven who would consider murdering you for the right price. And to put this in perspective, in a gathering of 500, about our church size, there would be 35 people in attendance willing to kill you for the right price. Now, I don't want you to look at your neighbor right now. (laughs) I don't want you to wonder who those 35 people are. But that's what the statistics would say. Now, what they really reveal, what these statistics reveal is that most people will do, or many people will do anything to get what they want, even compromise their integrity. And that's really the issue that we want to look at this morning, because the world we live in today knows very, very little about integrity. It's almost a foreign word, integrity. It's a world of public scandals. It's also a world of of private dishonesty at all levels of life and employment. Also, in the same survey that I just mentioned, an answer to another question, this was the question, Whom have you regularly lied to? Here was the response. I didn't say, Who have you lied to on occasion, but who have you regularly lied to? 86% said to parents, regularly lied to parents. 75% said to friends. One third of AIDS carriers admitted to not having told their lovers. Most workers admitted to goofing off for an average of seven hours a week. And one half of the workers said that they regularly called in sick when they were perfectly healthy. So we we live in a culture, it's not just public scandals, it's not just public figures, it's at all levels of life. We live in a culture that lies, that cheats, that uh, is unethical, that steals, is immoral, it, and, and exploits others, and basically does whatever it gets to promote self. That's really the bottom line. That's where there's why there's very little re- integrity. And that's why it is so refreshing when we come to a passage of Scripture like Nehemiah chapter 5 to meet a biblical character who was a man of integrity. And from Nehemiah, we're going to learn what it means to, to, to be uh, an individual who is characterized by integrity, one who would not compromise his values. Now, I'd like you to notice something. The opening phrase of verse 14 is something that we have not seen up to this point. Moreover, he says, from that day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah. That's new for us. This is the first time we read anything about Nehemiah being appointed the governor. Remember, originally when the book opened, he was what? He was the cupbearer to the king. It was an important uh, um, job, but it wasn't uh, public official. It wasn't being a governor. And then, He was simply to head up the building campaign in Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. But, but now we read that he was, he's been uh, promoted to be a governor, the governor of the whole province of uh, Judea. So somewhere during the building campaign, King Artaxerxes, the Persian king, uh, promoted Nehemiah and decided that he would uh, become the governor of the area. And that means that Nehemiah was now a public servant. He wasn't just a a person sent from Jerusalem to help them. He was their leader. He was their official leader with, with the Persian authority behind him. He was promoted above his peers. He was a public servant, a political leader. And that's very important. Have you ever faced that? Have you ever faced advancement? Have you ever been promoted above somebody else at either a job or it could be ministry in the church or it could be you just became a parent. And you're promoted above somebody else. All of us have, um, have been promoted at some point in our lives, or if you haven't, you will. It could be even on a sports team that you've been promoted to captain or you've been promoted to co-captain or assistant captain or whatever, or you just have a little more clout than others. That's really a scary thing because uh, many of us can handle adversity far better than we can handle advancement. It was Thomas Carlyle who said this adversity is hard on a man, but for one man who can stand prosperity, there are a hundred that will stand adversity. The Bible speaks a lot about adversity, but seldom do we hear about promotion. Seldom do we hear about advancement and all of the struggles that go with that, because so many who are uh, advanced and promoted above others as Christians have a difficult time balancing that promotion and biblical convictions and they often compromise at this point. So every one of us needs to learn about integrity from Nehemiah because every one of us is called to be a leader somewhere over someone. As I said, home or job or church. How do you how you handle um, leading people, being over people, reveals a lot about you. It reveals if you have integrity or not. It reveals your character. It also will determine what kind of a testimony you have for Jesus Christ. Now, let me set the context of chapter 5. As you recall from last week, the first 13 verses tell us about the poor testimony that the officials had in Jerusalem. They were uh, uh, loaning the poor people money. And then when the people could not pay back and they were charging them interest, by the way, and when the people could not pay back their loans, these officials and nobles were taking their lands and even their children. You can't pay us. We'll take them as slaves. We'll take your lands, your fields, your means of uh, of work. And uh, Nehemiah rebuked them for that because they were guilty of violating the law of Moses, which said you are forbidden to charge a fellow Jew interest. We, we went over that last week and Nehemiah rebuked them and they, they promised them publicly they were held accountable that they would give back what they had taken. Now, the last six verses of this chapter are very strategically located. They're really out of chronological order. Nehemiah is looking back and in his memoirs to us, he's telling us that in contrast to these selfish officials, I did not behave myself. I did not behave Uh, like them i was not selfish now he's not promoting himself he's not trying to get our applause but what he's doing is making a contrast and telling us not to impress us but to say follow my integrity follow my leadership in fact we know that he didn't do this to impress us because the last verse of this chapter says remember me oh my god for good he didn't do it for the people and he's not writing it for us to applaud him He did write it so that we might follow him and use him as a model of integrity for ourselves. So if you're taking notes this morning, and I would encourage you to do this, we're going to look at three marks of a leader's integrity. Three marks of a leader's integrity. Not only could you apply this to yourself, you ought to apply it to all the the leadership at Lakeside. You ought to apply it to the elders, to the staff, to the deacons. Uh, you ought to apply that and, and uh, evaluate your leaders in light of this, but you certainly should and must apply it to yourself. The first mark of a leader's integrity is, number one, he refuses to use his privileges. Now, I didn't say abuse. I said to even use his privileges. Let's look at verse 14. Moreover, from the day that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, for 12 years neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. As Nehemiah reflects back upon his 12-year uh, administration as governor of Judah, he mentions that he refused to use his food allowance. He said, why, why is he bringing that up? Who cares about his food allowance? But what it means is this. One of the fringe benefits of being the governor was that he was given a liberal food allowance. And you may say, well, that still doesn't. Why is he talking about that? Because where did he get this food allowance? He didn't get it from Persia. Where he got it was the food allowance was a tax upon the people that he ruled. He could tax them in any amount, with any amount that he wanted. And that was his food allowance. Whatever he wanted to get from them, he had that privilege as a, as a Persian official to do that. This was part of his expense account to, to do his official entertaining. And according to verses 17 and 18, he did a lot of entertaining on a regular basis. He had 150 Jewish people there. Uh, and in addition to that, he had uh, probably Gentile dignitaries from around the area who would come on a daily basis, regular basis. So he did a lot of entertaining. He was a guy given to hospitality. But even though Nehemiah had the right to use his food allowance, and he certainly had this right to tax the people for it, he refused to do it. He did not use his privileges, even though he had to foot the bill from his own pocket. It was his personal expense account now. And he refused to ask to be reimbursed, even though it was rightfully coming to him as governor. Some would have looked at him and said, you're a fool to not to not do this. And this was also the customary behavior of all the governors before him. What he was doing was absolutely unique, absolutely different. Notice verse 15. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. The former governors abused the people. They took advantage of the power the power they had over the people. And they were oppressive. And even those underneath them, their servants, were allowed to oppress the people. But Nehemiah didn't. Nehemiah didn't do that. And when he says oppress the people, not only would they get a tax from them, but in addition they wanted 40 shekels So they were oppressive to the people. Nehemiah didn't. Why? Because he says he feared God. He feared God. In other words, he had such an awesome respect and reverence for the the person and power of God that he was motivated to be compassionate to the people because he knew that the scriptures taught that uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. He wasn't about to oppress the people. He wasn't about to violate the Mosaic law. He knew it was wrong to uh, dominate them. And so he did not do that because he feared God. But I want to ask you a very, very pertinent question. Well, I think we would all agree that it would be wrong for it would have been wrong for Nehemiah to oppress the people because the scriptures teach that we would have all agreed with that. I think my question to you is this. Would it have been wrong for him to use his, his food allowance? To just use it? Not to be oppressive, but to just use it. And the answer is no. It would not have been wrong to do that. It was within his rights. It was within his realm as governor to do that. It wouldn't have violated any scripture. Then violate the scripture to tax people. Does not violate the scripture to, uh, uh, have, uh, a food, um, Allowance and expense account. It was his right. Didn't need to come out of his own pocket. He didn't need to sacrifice. But Nehemiah refused to use, not abuse. Obviously, he didn't abuse, but he refused to even use this privilege. Why? Because the people were already poor. They would. Uh, they they were facing economically hard times, and they were struggling just to make ends meet. And Nehemiah did not. And this is the principle you want to get hold of. He did not insist on his own rights for the sake of others. And uh, we don't know how he afforded to have 150 people in by his own expense, uh, expenses and out of his pocket, but he did. He refused to use his own to use his rights. Now I say that's a, tr- a tremendous, refreshing example for us of how godly leadership operates. It thinks of others first. Even if it, if it costs him or her something. Now, let me explain by a New Testament illustration what's going on. I'd like you to hold your place in Nehemiah 5, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a very important uh, truth that we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to read verses 1 through 14. I want you to see that Paul is saying, even though I have a right to be financially supported, By, by the church, churches, I will not use that right. So follow. Paul says, Am I not free? Verse one, am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord, which means I led you to Christ. I nurtured you. I ministered to you. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? And the answer is, of course you do. Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and, and Cephas? Of course. Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Well, no, you have a right to, to work uh, and, and have a right to take on a wife. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of, uh, of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in the hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others shared share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Now what Paul is teaching is this. As an apostle, he had certain rights. He had a right to uh to be supported by these churches especially the church at Corinth to be financially supported and yet what he is telling them is i did not use this right i could have it would have been uh it would not have been a sin for me to do this but i didn't do it why verse 15 says but i used none of these things even though the other apostles did i didn't why am i not writing these things that it may be done so in my case For it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. And Paul goes on to say that I want to preach the gospel without anybody misunderstanding. He goes back in verse 12 and explains, if others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. Why? But we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Paul didn't want the people at Corinth and other places thinking that he was in it for the money. And they would be thinking while he was preaching I wonder how much this guy expects to get out of us. He wanted their undivided attention. He didn't want them to misjudge his motives. And so he said, I'm doing this for free. You don't have to pay me anything. Now, uh, that's not the norm. That's something he volunteered to do. God didn't tell him to do that in the sense of a command. In fact, he said in First Timothy 5.17 that ongoing elders who labor in the word and doctrine and do a good job should have double honor. So he wasn't making this a standard for everyone, but he said that it is best for me and best for the cause of Christ and best for this people, the Corinthians for me to refrain from being supported by them. Now, how does this all apply to us? How how does this, what is the principle that, that is spelled out here that applies to, to each of us? Well, It's this: all of us face situations in which we can behave a certain way. No one would say that it's wrong to behave that way. It's privileges, or you want to call it rights, that are given to us. There are certain things that might even go along with our job description. Certain things that if we did, no one would even question it. But we don't have to use those privileges. We might be misunderstood. We might hurt our testimonies. We can sacrifice for the sake of others. And that's what Nehemiah was doing wouldn't have been wrong and probably nobody would have questioned it but he didn't he would not have enhanced his testimony had he taxed the people there are certain things that are acceptable certain things that are within the realm of your responsibilities and even privileges to have but maybe if you did it it could be misunderstood and so you don't do it because you want to enhance the testimony of jesus christ and you don't want to be misunderstood
2: i like nehemiah's priorities his first goal was to bring glory to God. If that meant a financial sacrifice, he made the sacrifice. That is an exceedingly rare quality. Jesus best demonstrated it when he came from glory to save us. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. Jesus put aside his privileges for the sake of the Father. Sometimes it's best for us to do the same for the sake of God's reputation. You have been listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio versions of Pastor Steve's sermons are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Here's Pastor Steve to share about this ministry and how you can
1: help. I'm Pastor Steve Creeloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. It's my hope that you're encouraged in your faith and strengthened spiritually through the teaching you hear on Verse by Verse. If you've been blessed through verse by verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. You can call 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714. Or drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank
2: you. You can learn more about us and access our audio library at www.versebyverseradio.org. We also offer a free podcasting service. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. Our lesson today was the start of a three-part message from Chapter 5 of Nehemiah. To order a CD or a cassette with the entire message, please call us at 727 Two three nine zero three zero six. That's 727 Is there such a thing as a part-time Christian, one who believes one way at church and another way at home or at work? There is an old adage that if you tell me the truth all the time, I can always believe you. But if you lie, even once, I can never believe you you will never be able to properly lead people who cannot trust you. As Christ followers, we are commanded to live lives of integrity every moment of every day.